On this episode, we discuss monster trucks. You're welcome. Guys, because I made you watch this movie. <laughs> Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. Hello, Elliot Kalen here. Bringing the energy, bringing the pep, bringing everything we need. Oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. Wow, oh, worked it out. Right? Oh man, I didn't. I used up Guys, all my pep. Why are we? Why are we so pepless? Where'd the pep go? Probably Should we call the Pep Boys? Those damn Pep Boys stole it in the <laughs> yeah. middle of the night, just like they do. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, well, we shouldn't have invited them in in the first place. That's the first law about protecting yourself against a yeah. Pep Boy. Once you invite a Pep Boy in, all the Pep Boys think they can come in whenever they want. Mm-hmm. And they steal the Pep, and they put it in their heads, and that's why well, their heads are so big. I hung a garland of uh, of olives around my neck, because that scares the Pep Boys away, but Dan just ate all my olives. <laughs> and I hung They're Jeff so delicious. in my room, and now I'm a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> because I killed the director of I want someone to eat cheese with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess. I mean, how Ooh, long? How long are you going to be in jail when for murdering him? Uh, I mean, the trial is tomorrow. I oh should wow! Really be this, planning is this my in defense. the Marvel Netflix universe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're being tried in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Luckily, I'm going to turn state's evidence on the hand, and oh, so great. I think I'll get off. <laughs> yeah. I use a hand to get off. Okay, anyway. (laughs) I saw the wheels turning. It's funny because it's true. Dan masturbates. Mm -hmm. Look, guys, real talk. Hat backward, chair backward. (laughs) Touching yourself down there is not a real problem. (laughs) Everyone does it. Uh, Dan, we are going to have to cancel your seminar with the students. <laughs> Why? Uh, we've been getting some complaints from their parents that they're just walking home masturbating as they walk into the door. First off, this was supposed to be a math seminar. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be an hand, SAT hand 2 plus, algebra prep. Yeah, class. hand plus wiener equals smiley face. Exactly. <laughs> That's not math. <laughs> it's math that you can use yeah. in Num- real life, Number two, unlike we, normal math. We called up your references. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of them turned out to be gas stations in the Tampa area. <laughs> and one of them, it was just a recording of someone laughing. <laughs> What's that all about, Dan? Uh, was it a scary laugh, or was it like a big, jolly Santa belly laugh? It was a big, jolly Santa belly laugh, but it just kept repeating, so it became creepy through repetition. Oh, like a too many cooks. Yeah. And the, and the last reference was that guy who broke into that PBS signal in the 80s with a Max Headroom mask on. <laughs> they finally caught that guy? Well, no, Wait, he was told it, us all it, about it. Was it just Matt Frewer, or was it a guy wearing a Max? No, Frewer it was a guy. Mask? It was not Matt Frewer himself. It was a guy wearing a Max Headroom mask. Because sometimes when you look at Matt Frewer's face, you think it's a mask, but it's not. He's just <laughs> very right. expressive. Well, <laughs> now we're insulting the late Matt Frewer. Wait, 
Are you die? I think so. I don't. Th- he was on Orphan Black recently. Oh what? my god, his character died. Oh god, now I gotta oh, look this up. We gotta find out everybody. No, so you know what? Internet. What do we do on you this know podcast, what? Dude? I'm thinking of. You know who I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of that character actor who's in the game. Yeah, Matt Frewer's still. Alive. Oh, the oh, one who plays god. like a doctor. Okay. Lost. Yeah. Man. No, Matt Frewer's still alive. All right. And that's I, earlier today. I was convinced Tim Curry. I had was died. halfway through no, ordering a dozen alive. roses for his family. <laughs> <laughs> roses? I mean, you can, really? You can still do that. It's like a nice dude. Oh, black roses. You do that as a nice gesture. Because it was a very metal funeral. Yeah, because uh, like Slash is going to play the <laughs> yeah, Because Matt Frewer, it's in his will that he wants to be buried exactly like in the November got, Rain video. The November Rain baggage, yeah. <laughs> and then he's going to be underground like in the, what is that, Don't Cry package? Now, here's one of our most popular packages. Uh, it's dropped in popularity a little bit as we get farther and farther from the 90s, but it's our November Rain package. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this package, Slash actually stands on your coffin and plays... The his hit song, "Welcome to the Jungle." Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, we couldn't get the rights to "November Rain." I'm sorry, but it brings kind of an up atmosphere to the funeral mm-hmm, because it, the uh, casket flies away with balloons attached. Also, we <laughs> we bring a wedding cake so you can remind or you can remind yourself of your wedding. But someone will jump into that wedding cake. Yep, they will. That's my favorite thing about that fucking video. <laughs> Who is at a wedding and he's like, "Up, oh, it's it's raining, it's ruined now. Time for me to fuck up the cake. I've been wanting to do this all day." <laughs> Who knows what kind of crazy wedding Axel was having? <laughs> it's almost like that guy in the middle of the rainstorm got his his suit on fire, and he's like, "I need to put this out the only way I know how." Stop! <laughs> stop! Drop and roll on a cake. Is that a big pile of fire retardant chemicals? <laughs> oh, no, it turned out to be cake. I'm sorry, I thought yeah. it was fire foam. And Axel Rose, who was the groom, is like, "Oh, Axel Foley, my best man. Can you please show this man out? Mm. Since you're a police officer." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And an Axel from a truck, monster trucks. Hey! So what we do normally here is we watch a movie that's a bad movie, and then we talk about it, uh-huh. have some laughs, and then we do some other shit later on. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Usually it's go home and go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean other stuff on the podcast. We don't go home, we don't record ourselves going home and going to sleep. Oh, I do, but it's oh, for okay. legal purposes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sure. So, uh, what do we watch? I always this need week, to Dan? prove my whereabouts. Okay, I was about to ask, but thank you for so what. So, yeah. Dan held us down. He put the screws to us, and he's like, "You're watching Monster Trucks." Uh, uh. The way I remember it was Stuart was like, "Let's watch Monster Trucks, Monster Trucks, Monster Trucks." Anyone? Monster and Dan's trucks? like, "Are we? Gonna, why don't we watch the Fifty Shades uh, sequel?" Or if we don't watch it tonight, I'm going to be unable to prevent myself from watching it later. And the aforementioned hand to penis transaction will. Mm-hmm. I can only assume. I don't. I don't want to write the rest of the story for it. No, no, yeah. Uh, now, like the future is unwritten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think this part of the future is pretty well written. <laughs> that the only way for us to save you from the sin of Onan is if we watch the movie the, with you. If the past is prelude, then yes. <laughs> if, the, <laughs> if we can look to the past for uh, guidance in our future, then sure, yeah. certainly. Yeah, the tea leaves tell me. <laughs> <laughs> the rune stones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I cut open a goose's liver, and it told me you'd be masturbating at some point. <laughs> Was that goose liver right? Only time will tell. Yeah. Time and Dan's masturbation diary. It seems like a sort of unnecessary murder of a goose because I think that you could probably have surmised that that was going to happen at some oh, point. Oh no, in the, future. the goose is still with us. In fact, here he is right now. <laughs> Dan McCoy, this is your sex life. Whack, whack, I'm a goose. Whack, whack, whack. You're going to, you know, play with yourself at some point. Whack, good night, everybody. It's weird that goose came out doing a duck impression, but eh, it's a living. He's transitioning. <laughs> sure. From goose to duck. <laughs>
So, Dan, before I dig any deeper holes for myself, uh, say again what movie we watched tonight. We watched a movie called Monster Trucks. Or no. was it Monster Truck? I think it was Monster Trucks. Okay. And the movie did fulfill its mandate of plural monster trucks. Movie opens, smash cut. We see an open field, and the most beautiful of all creatures running through that field. That's right, a giant truck. <laughs> Uh, so we immediately know we're in for it because we're about to see a truck driving around. We're like, okay, the movie's, it's providing a truck, but can it provide a monster? Well, we'll see because driving that truck is kind of a jerky asshole dude who makes fun of a character we'll eventually find out is our hero. His and name one is? of them is a monster. I don't remember. Trick? Trip. Trip. Okay. Let me, okay. So Trip is your normal average teenager who looks like he's pushing 30. Mm-hmm. riding the school bus because his family can't afford to buy him a cool truck like the only other teenage boy who seems to go to school. Uh, I mean, we see there's two teenage boys in this movie other than our hero. Yes. There's mm-hmm. the jerk who has a truck that he can't pay for. It's a big green truck. We don't know he can't pay for it till the end. And then a boy who's much younger, apparently, uh, who's not even 16, whose dad owns a truck dealership. So and it's a very truck-centered he universe. he appears to also be in his 20s. But okay. They're really? living in a small town, let's call it Truckton, mm-hmm. where trucks are the main export, main import, currency, industry, <laughs> religion. Everything loves trucks there. Dogs love trucks. People love trucks. Mm-hmm. Trucks, they probably love trucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least the cover of Aerosmith's pump, trucks are loving <laughs> each other. <laughs> Do uh, trucks have sex on the cover of Aerosmith's Pump? Yeah. So, well, I'm not familiar with Aerosmith. Yeah, Doy, didn't you right. buy that record just so you could listen to Love in the Elevator like a I, million times? I thought you were going to like, Love in you, the Elevator? Yeah, Love in that Elevator. <laughs> didn't you buy love that? Love when it goes up and sometimes when it goes down. <laughs> I thought you were going to like, didn't you buy that record so you could look at that picture of trucks having sex? <laughs> yeah. So Love in an Elevator is, uh, is there's no subtext to that song, right? It's literally just about having sex in an elevator. Yeah, uh, that's the one. It's I think not that's even the like telling the story of a time he had sex in the elevator, or is it? Well, it's, it's about living it up while you're going down, man. <laughs> but there's a. Oh, I got that. <laughs> I mean, there is that skit at the beginning where it's a uh, a woman who is clearly, you know, making uh, has a decent job as a elevator operator, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Stephen Tyler gets on there. He's just a real whirlwind of scarves and hair. <laughs> Real okay. Tasmanian devil, yeah. and she put a scarf on the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> take his shoes off. That's Steven Tyler. She talks to him for a little bit. She asks him if he's going down, and he's like, "Hell yeah!" I think he actually just laughs or chuckles or something. You're like, "Oh, I get it." And then you look at the cover of the record, and you're like, "Oh, this is dirty." I thought those two trucks were just awkwardly posed. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, my assumption is, here's how. Here's the thought process going through Steven Tyler's head. He's entered the hotel he's staying at. Aerosmith is, as always, on tour around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, Do I need to pose the correction now, that the, the, clearly the elevator is in an department store because the operator lists what's on the different uh, on the different. So it's a department store. Okay, yeah, yeah. sorry, so sorry to fl- I got to flesh out the sorry. world. Okay, let, more, me re- I let me re- let me and reimagine you're, this. You're painting this picture. How cold is Steven Tyler's neck? Oh, because it's well scarfed, it is very warm. All right. In good. fact, maybe a little too warm because it's getting a little hot in this elevator. Balmy. Now he is just glad to be alive because the Revolution X is, is over, and he's been saved after being taken hostage by the would-be revolutionaries by you, the player, using a 
prop-mounted machine gun in the arcade cabinet. That was a, that was a Sega CD game? I knew it as an arcade game, so I don't okay. know. Uh, perhaps it was, yes, a Sewer Shark or a Night Trap, a Sega CD game. <laughs> Night Trap, which is coming back. I, mm-hmm. uh, better than ever. <laughs> so he's like, oh, like I feel alive. I feel good. I've just did a great show. I was saved from these revolutionary hostages, hostage takers. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in this elevator and this elevator operator. And right off the bat, he's like, it's a little weird. There's an elevator operator in this elevator because it's the 1980s. All these elevators have been switched to automatic mechanisms. So is it is it like the first time I ever went to a gas station in New Jersey and was like, "Who is this person <laughs> accosting my vehicle, manhandling my gas tank?" <laughs> yes, exactly. So he's like, "Did I wander into the Shining Hotel? Is it the 1920s? Have I always been here?" Mm-hmm. And she says, "Mr. Tyler, can I call you that? Lives dad." We get this a lot. No, it's just a thing that we do at this department store, kind of an old-timey store. Anyway, uh, let me ask you. There's a, there's a lot of floors above us. Uh-huh. Uh, but are I'm, you, I'm Steven Tyler right Yeah, now. okay. So, uh-huh, sure. so are oh, you gosh. going down? And here's his thought process. I just walked into the elevator on the ground floor. Either there's a basement showroom, which I was not aware of and did not appear on the store directory, which I consulted in detail to know which floor I should go to for my men's bathing garments, Mm -hmm. which is what I was here to buy. My bathing scarf. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Needing a bathing scarf to make sure my neck does not get cold in the pool at the hotel where I'm staying. He's, so he's saying, so why would she ask if I was going down when there is no lower floors? Well, Stephen, let's put our mind to this, shall we? Going down means, okay, definition number one, let's check my mental dictionary. It means to move downwards in mm-hmm. position. All right, yep. the elevator can't go any further down now than the, it is. And also notice the Let me elevator- just check the buttons. Yes, there's no basement button on the elevator. So that confirms what the directory told me. There's no lower floors. So the, uh, the elevator operator is making a strange, like, leering face and is pointing at a Bucket of slop on the floor of the elevator. I don't know what that means. The slop I'm not aware of. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So so let's, the slop seems like some kind of strange, mysterious X factor. Let's remove the slop (laughs) from our thinking right now because it's possible that was left here by, say, a pig farmer who stopped in to buy his own bathing accoutrements while on the way to feed his pigs in this trough with slop. So let's take the slop and let's place it in what we're going to call a uh, non- of non-effective uh, of agents. Not, this is something that sure. I can remove safely <laughs> remove from the scenario. If I was Sherlock Holmes, I would say, what uh, deductively, rationally, what are the things that I should be able to be looking at for clues? This slot doesn't fit into the schema of the scenario, sure. so perhaps I'll set it aside. Mm-hmm. So number two definition for going down, well, that would be, I mean, kind of halfway to an innuendo for performing oral sex on someone. Let me just quickly check my mental dictionary of sexual positions. Can men do that to women? They can. Okay, I remember it. I saw it in a magazine once. Not one that I bought, one that was shown to me by the other toxic twin, whose name escapes me at the moment, though I have been performing with him for years, because I am... Joe Perry. (laughs) Mr. Perry, as I call him. Uh, He uh, showed it to me one day, and I said, please, sir, take that away from me. Mm-hmm. I, that's not how I get my kicks, young man. And <laughs> you, but let's see. Do I look crazy to you? Because <laughs> it would be amazing if I did. I would mm-hmm. be crying. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to look at that for another now, moment. Now, that gives me an idea for three different songs. I'll file that away for some future time <laughs> sure. when Alicia Silverstone is old enough to appear in a video for me. Uh, now she's just a young child, I assume, since she's not famous at the moment. Now, getting back to the situation with the elevator operator, uh-huh. the way she's looking at me, 
Let me just look up on my pocket device, which I have because I'm from the future. Okay. This is one of the a lot of people don't know about Steven Tyler. Oh, God. Siri, How long is show this going to go on? Female arousal facial expressions. Yeah. Okay. Madam, uh, Madam Elevator Operators, let me just hold this up to you. Yes, I see a you number of similarities it, here. Going on and okay, yes, uh, you know You're what? Googling female arousal facial so, expressions. Yeah, so, what? Elevator Operatrix, uh, let me <laughs> posit a scenario to you. And if I am incorrect, I apologize profusely. I, Steven Tyler, will make good with tickets for free to any of my Aerosmith musical shows or anything like that. Perhaps a free play token for Revolution X, the arcade game based on my real Just life. A single one. <laughs> kidnapping That's equal value to that and a musical <laughs> performance. Now, uh, let me posit to you that you are suggesting to me that you would like me to perform a sexual act on you. Perhaps in return I will pr- receive a sexual act uh, or favor from you. I assume you would stop the elevator between floors and then we would do that deed. Uh, to put it in crude terms, and then so did I buy a ticket to a one man show or what? <laughs> it's what's going a one man show called Steven Tyler called Loving an, <laughs> Elliot Kalen is Steven Tyler Loving in an Elevator Tonight. So Dan, monster trucks. We're yeah. in a, we're in a world where, where there's monsters. Trip is a is a high school student who's mm-hmm. not he can't afford a truck. He's not popular. Twenty six year old high school. He's student. a roughly twenty six year old high school student. He lives at home with his mom. Uh, by Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan, who's in the movie literally in two scenes. Yeah. Uh, one of them the has, no, has <laughs> no audio. One with no words. And his stepdad, played by Barry Pepper. Uh-huh. Or maybe it's just his mom's boyfriend, boyfriend but I thought stepdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it's his boy, boyfriend because, like, his boyfriend. Her boyfriend because I, uh, the problem is, like, he's worried that he won't stick around. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that's the big conflict. So he's and, constantly throwing salt on Barry Pepper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> Still got it, guys. That classic Stu Wellington condiment material. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, we've been introduced to Amy Ryan and Barry Pepper, and we're like, there can't be any more stars in this movie. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Oh, no, no, no. Look out to the heavens tonight, <laughs> listeners. You'll notice the skies are dark. Mm-hmm. And why is that, Stuart? Uh, because uh, Danny Glover's in this movie. <laughs> because all the stars are in monster trucks. If by all the stars we mean Amy Ryan, Barry Pepper, Danny Glover, and Frank Whaley. And uh, Rob Lowe's in it, too. Uh, Rob Lowe and, and Thomas Tom, Lennon. Thomas Lennon. Mm-hmm. The, wait, the writer of the script for Night of the Museum, Thomas yes. Lennon? Yes, Reno 911's Thomas Lennon, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Uh, he also wrote that Balls of Fury movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Herbie Fully Loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey guys, just breaking in here for a second. Um, so we had a bunch of technical difficulties. We kept having to stop the recording because there was a thing where our what we said just turned into crazy beep boop noises. Uh, we would look at the waveform and it was a bunch of squares rather than normal waveform things. And we'd be like, that's not right. And we are we, a bunch of squares. And mm-hmm. we we checked back and it was making terrible noises. So we've switched the internal microphone on the um, computer. Computer. The so word you're looking for was computer. Yeah. If if this episode suddenly sounds a lot worse, that's why. And we apologize. We're going to hopefully be able to fix this in future episodes. Yeah, it's pretty uh, easy. Just take your podcast player, go over to uh, unsubscribe, and just mash your thumb against it till your iPhone screen breaks. That's <laughs> That'll that'll correct our recording problem. Yeah, yeah, you won't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> no, I think it's time for uh, this. I've had this computer for something like 
seven years now. Whoa, seven check year him out. <laughs> Whoa, someone's looking at new computers and kind of so, hmm, interested. I think it's time for us to uh, switch over and get a new computer. Um, but I apologize for how this uh, audio probably sounds right now. But there's nothing we can do about it. So, hooray! Better this than no episode, right? Well, <laughs> guys, considering we're talking right? about monster trucks, I'm not so sure. Dan, let's just talk about monster trucks. Okay. Okay. So this oil company, Teravex, it's drilling in an mm-hmm. underwater lake, uh, an underground lake. Uh-oh, it finds some kind of strange life form, uh, these tentacle monsters, and it captures two of them, but a third one goes on the loose. Uh-oh, it ends up appearing at the junkyard that Trip works at. Trip manages it. He sees it, and it scares him, and he calls the police. The police run by his mom's boyfriend, Barry Pepper, who's the sheriff in the town. And But the monster's gone by the time they show up, and he's like, what? But, uh, Barry Pepper doesn't believe him, thinks it was a prank, but it was no prank. It was a monster. As Trip finds out when he traps the monster by baiting it, baiting a trap with oil, mm-hmm. because these animals eat oil. Turns out to be some kind of big tentacle monster. Stuart, Dan, want to describe this monster for us? The titular monster in the truck? It's like a cute Cthulhu. It's like an adorable <laughs> dog of a Cthulhu. Yeah, it's kind of like if the monster from Deep Rising was a little cuter, not much, but like a little bit, that's it. It struck me as like an adorable version of the squid from Prometheus. Oh, I was thinking that too. Yeah. Not quite as sexy though. The squid from Prometheus is very sexy. Oh, tell me about it. Just leave me alone with that squid for a couple minutes. Yeah, or leave me with that or like one of those beefcakes and I'm like, I can't help myself from one of those big white beefcakes. Wait, you mean like a a meat pie? Well, no. no, Like a British style pub meat pie? Yeah, let me think about Prometheus. All the meat pies in that. No, idiot. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm talking about the big white beefcake dude who rips off that dude's head oh, and throws it around. Yeah, well, like the what when he strips that down in the beginning and then drinks that thing that turns him into DNA goo, so mm-hmm. he can seed life on a planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've all been there, right, Dan? Seeding life on the planet when we strip down. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it earlier in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you were just... when. So when Dan does that to himself, when he uh-huh. abuses himself like that, uh-huh. what he's really doing... I is, wouldn't call it abuse. He's, I mean, it's consensual, I guess. <laughs> he's trying to just spread genetic material into the world in mm-hmm. order to create biodiversity. Mm-hmm. I hate to break it to you, Dan. That's not how it works. No? I can't reproduce uh, just by... Putting my spores all over the place. Like <laughs> yeah, a, you smear your hand around on library books like in Squid and the Whale. Yeah. Or Ghostbusters. Squids! Of course! <laughs> Which brings us back to monster trucks. Now, uh, Trip also becomes friends with Meredith, his classmate played by Jane Levy. Levy? Uh, let's say yeah, Levy. Man. Levy, uh, who is... Who is totally into him, and he just cannot read the signs. And and, and as we mentioned in the sh- uh, while watching the movie, Dan's crush notwithstanding, she is certainly better than the material she's given. Yeah, sure. And Jane Levy's great. She was in uh, Suburgatory, which is an underrated little uh, sitcom. What? Oh, okay. It, I didn't was, know what it was. I couldn't tell. We, we, we're trapped in a vortex of vocal fry. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was in the Evil Dead remake. She was the. Hero of that. <laughs> so much vocal pride. <laughs> yep. She was, Is Barack Obama here? <laughs> she was uh, the hero of uh, Don't Breathe. <laughs> it's all, she's very good. I like her a lot. Well, she's the nerd character, which mm-hmm. means she's beautiful. 
And because as we, we were talking yeah, about... Yeah, because like Roman Mars says, we're all beautiful nerds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, I'm paraphrasing. Or as Christina Aguilera says, we're all beautiful. Nerds! Well, she says, you are beautiful. Yeah. In every single way. But she's leaving herself out of that. She's not saying we're beautiful because she knows she's hideous. <laughs> Inside. In, yeah. No, I'm sure she's a fine person. She's the voice or whatever. Anyway, so uh, Trip. And Meredith, they find out that this creature, who Trip names Creech, uh-huh. is... Oh, it's short for Creature, I guess. It's short for Creature. That's better than Chur. Yeah, yeah, or R. Yeah. Now, he could have given it another name like Slippy or Tentacool. Mm-hmm. Or Gas Guzzler. Gas Guzzler. Oiliver. Mm, Oiliver is really good. Or like, you got uh, one? You got one on the tip of your tongue? Octo Boy. All right. Oh, okay. Well, let's. let's uh, okay. I guess we'll call it Octo Boy for the rest okay. of the episode. Take two. Let's try. The, let's try Dan's next idea. Squidzy. Squidzy. I'm lo- I'm missing Octo Boy. Didn't think that was going to be possible. <laughs> Give you one more try. Three strikes and you're out. Tintal Clavular. <laughs> kind of like it. I mean, it sounds like a demon in a movie Stewart would like. <laughs> yeah, I you, like that guy. You finish, you finish the Krugman configuration and Tintoclavular comes out. Mm-hmm. I heard a prophecy about the Tintoclavular. So Octoboy, or Creech as they call him, mm-hmm. uh, Trip has two interests in life. One, finding a father figure that he can relate to. Because his dad... Wait, is, is this? are we talking about Creech's motiv- motivations or Trip's? Trip's. Okay. One, finding a father figure. And two... Trucks. Yeah, he works at the junkyard. He loves making trucks. He's a he's refixing up an old truck. He's a real gearhead. He's a real gearhead, which is also sounds like a Hellraiser type character, like Tinty Clavulus. Yeah, a, r- a real grease monkey. <laughs> which again could also be a Cenobite. <laughs> there's almost no two. There's no two two word phrase that would could not be a, a Hellraiser villain. Yeah, come up with one, Dan. Come up with a two word phrase that can't be a Hellraiser villain. Uh, Clay. <laughs> Derek. This is not that awkward. Clay Derek? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> One of them can't be a yeah, name. classic phrase. Like an it's oil a Derek, Derek. An old Derek. I'm thinking about oil. I got oil on the brain because of clavulus. Oh, that's very dangerous. Central clavulus. To have oil on your brain. <laughs> or on your brain, I mean, not blame. Mm, David no, Blaine. David Blaine. Oil all over oil, David Blaine. Yeah, yeah. Oil him up. It only protects him from the ice he's encased in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, the long story short, uh, they make friends with Octoboy Tentaclavulus Creech. <laughs> And it turns out Creech... Well, here's where I don't buy what the movie's selling. Creech... Go on. ...crawls into the body of a car that Trip is... A truck. I'm so sorry. A truck that Trip has been working on. And he's What is weird about that? You know, back in the day when I had a a ball python, Mm -hmm. uh, my ball python, the first thing he did when I just let him hang out in the basement, which was a bad idea... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was to immediately find the closest, like, Lazy Boy recliner and then wrap himself all up in the guts of that shit. Okay, well, maybe... Took forever to get him out of there. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, then, because Creech twines himself around By the, the way, axles. Th- that ball python's name was Bone Crusher. <laughs> because when I was Isn't a little another boy... another monster truck? It should be, right? When I was a little boy, uh, when I was very angry at my mom, I would stand at the top of the staircase. And just yell, bone crusher? I would stare at her and I would stomp my feet and I would say, I'm going to crush your bones and throw them out the window. (laughs) So I was able to take that moment in my life and transform it into a beautiful creature named Bone Crusher, the ball python. Uh, What eventually happened to 
to Bill Pesci. No, he died of mouth rot. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, no, it's mouth rot. Mouth rot is crazy, dude. It's like super common and the worst thing in the world. It's like a it's a fungal growth in in the snake's mouth. Oh, that's horrible. Stuart, yeah. am I am I am I gonna get mouth rot? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you keep uh, doing what you've been doing lately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know. Why you need to mouth shame me, but Dan, just open up your pocket. I'll slip some dental dams in there. All right. Wait, so why when, would that, oh, when he's making out with ball pythons. <laughs> now, uh, Creech twines himself around the axles of this truck, and Trip finds that Creech can just live inside the truck with a few manipulations of the truck, and by controlling when Trip can see the outside world from inside the... Oh, when Creech mm -hmm. can see the in, outside world from inside the truck, Trip can make him motor the truck and drive it around. Now, yeah. the movie posits, it's brought up briefly by Meredith, that this is not... doesn't seem like the best way to treat this new, beautiful animal. Mm -hmm. And Trip says, he likes it. Come on. And the movie kind mm -hmm. of expects us to buy that. Yeah. Because otherwise, the Listen rest of the film is the enslaving of a new life form. He likes it. Listen him just to him singing those spirituals. That's <laughs> great. He always is smiling when I walk by. Whenever I ask him if he likes it, he says, yes, sir, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? He ran away in the middle of the night, but I thought he loved me. So... If you haven't seen the trailers for Monster Trucks or seen the movie, which you probably shouldn't, uh, you don't understand that how does a tentacle monster make the wheels of a car go fast? Oh, please explain well, this. Well, it all story. has to do with when he wraps one of his tentacles around something. I'm talking about Creech, not Trip. We don't ever talk about Trip's tentacles. No, or fingers as they're Creech, also known. <laughs> Creech's tentacles. When he wraps it around something metal... Things start to glow a little bit. They're little cilia. And then the cilia make that shit rotate super fast. And, mm -hmm. of course, Dan was over there in the corner imagining what it would do to your weenus. All right, Dan? Uh... We're going to do a lot of talk about manipulation of Dan's weenus in this episode. I say let's put it's a... It's a theme of the show. Let's put That's going to be in the tag in iTunes. Yeah, Dan's weenus. Explicit, yeah. followed by Dan's weenus. I think let's put a moratorium on talking about some kind of hand or digit or paw manipulating Dan's genitals. <laughs> sure. Let's just take that off the table of topics for the moment. Later, maybe we can get back to... Maybe what about a talon? If, I mean, I would not recommend it. All right. But you could go for it, sure, if you want to pay a hawk to, to do that to you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hawk. The silly yeah, hawk makes the wheels go, which yeah. I say... Is silly, huh? <laughs> silly. Oh man, no, it appears that we're that. experiencing more technical <laughs> beep, problems. Boop, boop, beep, boop, <laughs> uh, and delete file. <laughs> so uh, the company they've caught two. They've caught creatures' parents. Yeah, and they know if it word gets out that this amazing oil-eating life form that's never been seen before lives there, they're not going to be able to drill for oil. And so Rob Lowe mm -hmm. he tasks Thomas Lennon with. Finding out where the what the deal is, or Dilio, as the kids would say, yeah. with these aliens, so that they can kill them all, I guess. But Thomas Lennon, he comes to really like the two that he has. He's experimenting on. I mean, they're parents. they're pretty. They're all pretty adorable. They are pretty adorbs for like a big blob. Yeah. It's like adorable snot. Like if snot was cute, it would be Creech. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's a better tagline for the poster then. On March 13th, meet Creech. Well, the problem is that a lot of people thought that it was supposed to say meet Screech. 
Uh-huh. And like finally, that Saved by the Bell feature film. <laughs> now, who, now, Dan, who would play the characters in the Saved by the Bell feature film? Cast it with current actors. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, keeping in mind that Dennis Haskins will be playing Mr. Belding. That's, oh, that's just too bad. He's taking a role from a John Hodgman type. Uh, I would say like a David Koechner to play that role. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, uh, for what's his face, the lead guy, Zach? Mm. You mean? For some reason, Dan intentionally forgot <laughs> the name of the character Zach Morris. <laughs> We've got, uh, like Prometheus, Michael Fassbender in a blonde wig. Really? Not Zac Efron, who is perfect for the role and is already named Zac? <laughs> no. I think he's more of an A.C. Slater type. He's got that body. Although, no. Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be great. Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be A.C. Slater, and they'd like de-age him with computers. Yeah. But who would play Screech? Like a Jay Baruchel? Screech is an elderly Eddie Deason. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Like return home. Wow. You know mm-hmm. that, that Eddie Deason is like, Dustin Diamond stole all my best Eddie stuff. Eddie Deason's like, between takes, you're going to have to submerge me in that <laughs> swimming pool with cocoon testicles. <laughs> uh, and who, who would play Lisa Turtle? Uh, a turtle. An actual turtle. <laughs> okay. Wow, it's okay. very interesting stunt casting. <laughs> who would play Jesse Spano, played originally by Elizabeth Berkeley? Now, oh, at least the turtle I should mention was played by Lark Voorhees, A.C. Slater by Mario Lopez. Yeah, yeah, but Zach in the movie, Morris, apparently, it's play, he's played by, she's played by Fisher Stevens. <laughs> An actual turtle. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, who would play Jesse Spano? Who you remember is the activist? Uh, Carrot Top. <laughs> okay, it is a female wow. character. <laughs> drag. Non-binary, bro. Yeah, yeah. okay. It's now, creative Frank Aston. And now about everybody's sweetheart, Kelly Kapowski. Oh, man. Oh, every, every, every dream. Every, every, every person's dream. dream. Dre- boy or girl. Who knows? Yeah. Um, or I'm assuming even Screech's robot wanted to be with His Kelly. name was Kevin. And yes. <laughs> Help me out here, Stu. What do you think? Okay, let's see. We're going to need somebody. I mean, Emma Stone's the most obvious American sweetheart I can think of. Okay, Emma Stone's pretty good for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Emma Stone and Michael Fassbender. Now so, I guess up. Hollywood get in touch with us? <laughs> for, uh, are we their agents? I don't understand. you got to pay us for this idea. We packaged idea? it. Yeah. <laughs> the hard part's going to be finding a turtle that can carry the role of Lisa. Yeah, his name's Fisher I don't know. I don't know that it would be hard to carry the role of Lisa. They did not give her a Whoa. lot to do. They gave her plenty to do. No. Sometimes. <laughs> I feel like she was the she forgotten traits. member. She's, of the, she's rich. There's that episode where she broke her leg and mm-hmm. had to learn a and new they, dance. The dance competition, yeah. She's into fashion. That's All these things are true. She is eternally beset upon by uh, Screech, who is, I think at that point, that's like emotional abuse. Yeah. When your friend is constantly badgering you like that. Well, the thing is, and this is, look, I'm not one of those guys who's like, Oh, the friend zone. Oh, man. These women. Blah, blah, blah. What are you talking about? Last week you were complaining about the friend zone to me for like three hours. <laughs> yeah, you were like, my wife put me in the friend zone. <laughs> I'm just trying to get with my wife, but she totally put me in the friend zone. Uh, and I was Which is about, odd because you guys have a child together. I was together. talking about the ESPN zone, my favorite okay. theme restaurant. Okay. But no, but Screech, it's like, Screech, get the message. She's not into you. It's more healthy for you to figure out somebody else to be with. Maybe Tori. Who was on the show sometimes. <laughs> yep, yep. Travel back in time to the Tory years. Travel back to Indiana when they when Tory was a cast member, right? No, I think it was later than that. Okay, so the other thing is... Screech Indiana, should consider... Of Miss Bliss. Yeah, get more in Miss Bliss. Screech should date outside of their immediate circle, if only to add more 
uh, add more students to the to the spotlight. No, no, no. Like there was that it's episode an- where they do a fucking uh, they do a what do you call those things where you bury something in the yard with all your memories? Uh, a time capsule. A time capsule. The time capsule. Thank you. <laughs> what was that called? Like a time bandit? Like a like a memory hole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a remember me dig. So they crack open the time capsule and they're they're putting together a time capsule for the school, right? Yeah, for the entire school and all the memories of of six fucking students. Are you kidding me? Here's that my, is trash. Here's my theory. Have either of you ever read the story? I have no mouth and I must scream. <laughs> No. Which there's like five or six people left in the world, and they're all being kept alive so that they can be tortured by a computer that has taken over the planet. That's the situation, basically. Mm. Humanity died out long ago, except for our heroes on the Saved by the Bell plane. Anyone else they see, maybe Mr. Belding's one of them, I don't know, is just like a fiction created by the computer. It's a real Matrix type Oh, thing. so like that guy that A.C. Slater catches smoking a joint in the bathroom? He's just part of the Matrix. Exactly. And, oh, that makes and sense. Max owns the Max, the diner that's also on school. What grounds. about the manager of the Max who Kelly starts dating for a while? I think just to turn Zach into like an angry cook. I don't, I don't remember that one. But this that, was also, really, that was a, yeah, that was a, a dark storyline. This also explains how Zach could get a fifteen oh two on his SATs. Because it, it, he never really took them. It's just all part of the computer program. Okay. So, and is that how uh, Jesse Spano was able to kick her addiction to caffeine pills so quickly? So instantly. Yeah, yeah. Guys, we've talked about all the episodes that Stuart remembers. <laughs> Let's move on. So, you don't remember when the Behind the Music about Zack Attack that Casey Kasem hosted? Oh, shit, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe that was all just part of the Matrix. That's one of they saying that song, I think, that goes, Thought we'd always be together. So it was after that episode aired that some fucking coked up studio head is like, fuck it, dude, let's just make a whole show about that and call it California Dreams. (laughs) Uh, That's what happened. Some monster trucks, anyway. Uh, I think, is it clear how this movie really didn't capture our imagination? uh, It's like your classic alien being befriends a kid and they have to go save the other aliens from an evil company or government or whatever like that it's as template of that as it could possibly be. Yeah. You have a town where there are Well, let's wait till final judgments here. Oh, so okay, cuz maybe you loved it. Maybe I loved it. The the population of this town consists of Trip, his mom who we see twice the entirety of the movie, his mom's boyfriend the sheriff, the sheriff's two deputies, a poor car dealership owner, a poor who yeah, lost most of his business. A, a used car dealer who's about to defraud an old man <laughs> until during a car chase Creech's truck runs over almost the entirety of the stock and then dumps paint all over him. Yeah, ruining his suit that looked like it was worth, I don't know, all of $20. Yeah, he was a real better call Saul. And yeah. uh, that. Then also there's the girl who refers to a father many times who we never actually see. And this other kid who, who I mean, seems we can, to own a car dealership. We can paint a picture of her father just through his possessions. And that's true. He possesses a barn with a horse in it. Two horses. Two horses. She says he never goes in there. And also a cabin up by lake. Who feeds the horses? <laughs> uh, the horse fairy. Oh, okay. Now, anyway, Trip is like, we gotta help Creech find his parents or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and there's a couple different chases as the company hires a kind of bounty hunter, I guess, to track down Creech. He's like the security for the company. He's just the head of security. 
But uh, yeah, as you say, he's kind he's of... He's a real like Blackwater type. He's yeah. The cool thing about this guy is he wears those black latex gloves that, uh, that tattoo artists wear or like douchey celebrity chefs wear on TV shows. Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, sure. He doesn't want his fingerprints on his taser. He's always no, you haven't seen, like. There's nothing funnier to me than the like a celebrity chef who, instead of wearing normal like latex gloves in a kitchen, is like, I'm gonna wear these cool black ones because <laughs> I, I, I play not, by my own rules. I have not seen this trope. Okay, now this maybe only happens on Bar Rescue, which is <laughs> the only show I watch on TV. Yeah, because you're like, uh, I need to understand how to rescue my own bar. I need to rescue mm-hmm. my own bar. It's going down the tube. <laughs> I got a Dan McCoy profit up one end, scaring all my customers away. Well, because he's always wearing a werewolf mask. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, hey, dude, how are you even drinking with that? I use a straw. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you'd think seeing a werewolf drinking through a straw would defuse a lot of the scare tension. But it makes it even more strange. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lion wearing a birthday hat. It should be cute, but it's kind of scarier. <laughs> yeah, did it eat a birthday kid? <laughs> it ate it so quickly that the hat flew up in the air and then landed directly on his head. Yeah. He just shoved his, he- his his mouth over the kid's head in such a way that the hat flew onto his head. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Thank you for explaining what I just said. <laughs> I thought I had a different way to say it, but it turned out I didn't. Uh, Trip and Meredith, the girl who wants to be his girlfriend, but he's just not reading the signals, which is a realistic portrayal of a teen boy teen yeah. boys do not know how to read signals from girls mm-hmm. uh, although like this guy he's so fucking interested in trucks that it is really getting in the way of like this girl is like so clearly into him yeah like and, she's all but jumping on him and he's like oh but truck yeah it was, it was interesting I, the you don't have wheels <laughs> where's your where's your windshield <laughs> it was interesting that they went with your cargo hold do you have a four Can Captain drive? Solo fit in your cargo home? <laughs> tell me about your torque. <laughs> That's what his, his, he has a t-shirt that says, tell me about your torque. <laughs> so, it's interesting. Is this the, a hammy? That, yeah. the, uh, that the casting director went with just a, like a traditional handsome type. You know, like a real Tom Noonan. As- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a total Tom Noonan. Hey, uh, uh, as opposed to someone who could act. Yeah, as opposed to somebody who's like like your every everyday average wallflower, Peter Parker type. Mm-hmm. Well, we, something we've talked about, I think, before is that how movies, everyone has to be super attractive in the movies, which is kind of how movies have always been. But even a character mm-hmm. who's supposed to be an like, outcast. Like taking a film one, two, three? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, those, that was an outlier. But uh, how even a character is supposed to be a nerd or an outcast or Peter Parker, for instance, I just watched, is still like a handsome, cool I dude. just watched fucking Arthur the other day. The, the Aardvark cartoon? Yeah, Arthur the Aardvark <laughs> starring Dudley Moore. No wonder he's drinking so much. That's why he's squeezing his fist is because he's, uh, he's got the, uh, the DTs. I'm just looking for an anthill to dig into. The... Man, what the fuck is... I haven't seen that... Like, I don't even remember watching that whole movie before and I watched it on Saturday. What is going on there? <laughs> Why does Liza Minnelli like him? Because he's a charming drunk. Is he charming? Not really. That's the thing. Who made this movie, Dan? <laughs> Dan, answer for Arthur. Uh, he's Dudley Moore. 
Yeah. Which means he's a little uh, imp of a man. <laughs> oh, certainly. I yeah. mean, let's let's all agree. If Dudley Moore was a normal sized height human, okay. and he did the same things he did in Arthur or Ten or any of his movies, he'd be arrested. He would be in jail, yeah. and yeah. rightfully so. But he gets away with it because he's a leprechaun. What if Dudley Moore had been the lead in this movie? <laughs> what, playing creature, playing Treasure? the lead? He's the title character. <laughs> I guess you're so right. So now imagine Dudley Moore holding onto the axles of a truck. <laughs> going vroom, vroom. <laughs> going rah, rah, oil, please. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just going on drunken rants. I like it. Dan, can you do a Dudley Moore impression? It seems like it'd be right up your alley. Uh, okay, Elliot, you're John It's me, Dudley Moore. Oh, I'm so drunk right now. Oh, oh what you doing there? Oh, that's Governor? not bad, actually. I'll allow it. <laughs> that was Judge Dredd. All right. <laughs> so. Uh, Judge Dredd let you off the charges of bad impressions. He'll allow it. <laughs> yep. uh, so they go to try, they say, we need some help. Let me go find my dad. They go visit Frank Whaley at his trailer where he lives. Uh, he's a miner or something or a driller. But mm-hmm. he rats them out to the company, and they escape. There's a long car chase. Don't don't gloss over the fact that in the car chase, the hero rams his monster truck through the trailer of his father. I mean, his father ratted him out, but that does not mean that he can destroy his home. He There is so much collateral damage in this movie, and so many cars flipping over. We were like, okay, the driver of that car is dead. Like, yeah. how many more must Creech slay before he finally reaches refuge? I mean, at least one moment, uh, Jane Levy's character is like, I hope they were wearing their seatbelts. I'm like, I don't think they were. No, yeah, they were all, trying to get a better position to now. shoot your alien or whatever it they're is. They're Splatsville now. Population, <laughs> those guys. Yeah. They're, those, they're those red spots in those uh, driver's ed videos that you see mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right now? Right now. What, on television? <laughs> We're watching them right now. Uh, so realistic. Oh, wow. Why are we watching videos on a rotten.com? Wait, is that a thing Does that still, still exist? I don't know. Dan, is that not. real or is it all 4chan now? What is, I don't even know what rotten.com That's is. That's where you would go when you were in college and you wanted to see like gross shit. You'd like see like pictures like, of Chris Farley's crime scene. And shit. Yeah, that guy, that, that guy Chris Farley's local politician. crime scene? Yeah, when he died. When he was I, it was horrible. No, when Chris, when died, Chris Farley but... was stealing diamonds from all the richest dowagers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> when you wanted to see a photo of like a yeah, corpse they found somewhere, you know. Oh, okay. In the old days, you had to stand by me at. And go walk a hundred miles to find. I am course. not. Yeah, I'm not defending myself in college. I was an idiot for just looking at random things on the internet. But like, it took forever to download shit. So you just kind of looked at what showed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite of a, of an excuse. Like, if it takes forever to download shit. You must have made it like a concerted effort to like look at the things that you looked at. There were Dan. four websites. One of them was AOL.com, which is just a portal to other sites, basically. And everything right. else was like Geocities. Or is, is it Geocities? I like to say Geocities because no, it sounds like atrocities. I imagine a scientist in the movie is like, oh, the Geocity <laughs> is off the charts. <laughs> I've never seen Geocities at this level. Speaking of scientists and charts and levels, there's an unwieldily long car chase. Where they go from the middle... Wait, in a movie with trucks in the title, there's a unnecessarily long car chase? Oh, but then there's another car... So, and they escape and blah, 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 and they realize they're going to have to save Creech's parents, which leads us to... They finally get everyone escaped, and they realize the company is going to pump poison into the underground lake. Thomas Lennon has joined up with our heroes. The three of them are like, Mm -hmm. we're going to stop this. Well, we're going to need some trucks. 
So they overnight refit two trucks. Yeah, they do like a put one foot in front of the other montage. They do yeah. one of those standard like monstro monstro retrofits. Yeah, where they turn it into monstro, the whale from Pinocchio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then they swallow Pinocchio. Pinocchio's like, thanks, guys. He's like, I'm, I'm going to tell a shitload of lies, so my nose pierces the hull of this whale, <laughs> killing it from the inside. That's like a, very, a real Kratos. A very dark version of Pinocchio. <laughs> He's like, my nose is stuck in you, so I'll drown too, but I take you with me. <laughs> so anyway. And, and Monstro's like, congratulations, Pinocchio. That's the first non-lie you've said all day. No! And his nose shrinks back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monstro is really good at these cat and mouse psychological games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they retrofit these trucks. They go to break out Creech's parents. And now let me just say this. This movie is essentially... A Flintstones, eh, it's a living gag for the entire movie because they're using these tentacle monsters to drive their cars as car engines. That's it. It's that all that. Someone said, hey, what would it really be like if I had a Flintstones-type vehicle mm-hmm. that was operated by an animal moving things? What would be the... Let me spin that out and to then the farthest repercussions. The, the two other gentlemen who get a story credit on this movie help that one gentleman extrapolate on that idea. Exactly. So... The, uh, the, they're having another car chase to get to the mine to stop them before they pump the lake full of poison. Uh, this leads to a car chase that is, it's over mountain roads. At one point, Trip is falling out of, he's hanging onto the open door of the truck over a cliff, and the bad guy is trying to ram that truck, and Barry Pepper stops that guy with his car, rightfully so, because that man is trying to murder the son of his girlfriend. Uh, or just anybody, because he's the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good point. It is also his job to just cr- keep law and order in the town. Yeah. Uh, Barry Pepper finds an enormous construction equipment machine, which leads to a point that I wanted to discuss in greater detail, because there's some strange <laughs> sure. geography, which is this car, they reach a, thi- a, a mountain pass. Okay, L.A.'s got, got a whiteboard up. Okay, here's the narrow mountain pass. Let's just call it the Gates of Thermopylae, Okay. <laughs> And okay. Creech and his parents in their trucks, driven by Trip and Meredith and Tom Lennon, are ahead of the bad guys because the bad guys are now, chasing them. Just to clarify, Meredith's truck is powered by the female alien monster, right? Yes, because okay. that's how you match things up in these things. Okay, cool. Just the same way... And that, yeah. that monster has a bow on its head? That's not how you know it's female? Yeah, they miss Pac-Man in it, <laughs> so you can tell. Uh so uh, the ba- the head mercenary bad guy, he goes, mm-hmm. light it up, and someone sets off a wall of flame to stop the trucks. Now, we've established these these alien monsters. They're not alien. I don't know what they are. They never established where these things come yeah, from. Yeah, they're deep ones. They're yeah. Just, yeah, they're just Shoggoths or something. They have the mm-hmm. Innsmouth look. Yeah, yeah they're you know. flying polyps. Yeah. They don't like fire. We None of us like fire. But yeah, they're yeah. also, they eat oil. So I mean, fire's especially I like fire bad. because it's an important part of modern civilization. I mean, mm-hmm. heater of food, destroyer of forests, yeah. man's greatest enemy, this building is on fire. <laughs> exactly. Is that the right thing for Gremlins 2? Uh, it's close enough. If oh. only they had brought these creatures to Clamp Tower, oh, it yeah. would have solved all their problems. Yeah. Anyway, so let's look at the geography. There's a wall of flame. Yep. Behind that are our heroes. Behind that are the bad guys. 
Barry Pepper drives up. And they're like bumper to bumper trying to shove the monsters into the flames. In the flames. They're super close. They're, and they're at this, this tight mountain pass. There's no room. There's no shoulder. There's no room to pull no. over. It looks like their only option is to go through the fire and the flames like dragon. They're going to have to jump into the fire. So throw some Metallica mm-hmm. on the radio. they got to dance into the fire. The fatal kiss is all they need. <laughs> nice. Dance into the fire. The fatal Go sound on. of broken dreams. Yep. <laughs> that wall is their Venus. That wall is their fire. It's their desire. Yeah. So Barry Barry Pepper shows up in this enormous construction truck, like huge, like it's like a Jawa sand crawler. It's mm-hmm. like a, a Megaforce or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's so big that it is scraping the sides of this mountain tunnel on both sides. Mm-hmm. Like it is that big, and it manages to bump the bad guy through the flame onto the other side and then it he tips the top of it because it's like a rock crusher uh, dump truck type thing yep. and the good guys drive up it like a ramp to get over the fire this all makes perfect sense Elliot where Here's, does your question come in my question is how did the good guys I guess become intangible allowing the bad guys <laughs> and this enormous truck to drive through them so that it is now ahead of them and not, now they are in the back of the pack Whereas before they were between the bad guys and the fire. How did that happen? Were they able to, like, go into the ground temporarily? <laughs> maybe. Maybe they're ha- maybe those, those shredder driller machines that he would use in the they next cartoon. They their tentacle powers? They have a lot of tentacle powers because of those monsters. All right. All right. I'll buy it. Tentacle powers. Okay. That's very George Lucas, the force of you, but uh, I, I see where you're going. Do they jump really high in the air? Mm-hmm. We never see that until they drive all over the truck that has already passed through them. Was there possibly a entire reel of the film? <laughs> Maybe they yelled, cut. When the movie Move was, the yeah, then they started it up again. <laughs> Very possible. Now, is it also possible that I did was not paying attention for a moment and missed when these trucks, I don't know, drove up a wall to get oh, out of there? Elliot, it looks like we have an email from a B Pepper. <laughs> it says well, this is highly regular. It says there was clearly a scene where they. Uh, jumped over the other guys and then jumped over the giant truck. So it's if anyone would know, it's the man who is on the set himself, Barry Pepper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's worked with Steven Spielberg, he's John, worked Travolta. With John Travolta. I mean, this guy's a master. Yeah, come on, <laughs> he's a master. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a reference to Scientology, the movie The Master. Yeah, yeah, sure. Bazinga. Oh, you are have too many things to understand what I'm saying. What? I did have too many things to understand what you were saying. Anyway, the point is, they jump off a mountain. These creatures get the shit beat out of them inside mm-hmm. these trucks. But they make it to well, the... They're fucking loving it, dude. Oh, yeah. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. They're loving it. They make it to the poison pumps just a little too late, but they manage to stop the poison pumps in the end. There's Imagine that's fight. your job, dude, and you're like, man... I just can't wait to get these poison bumps started. <laughs> like, oh no, these people are trying to stop me. No, I care enough about my job. Like, he seems these guys are clearly not like city workers. No offense to city workers, but these guys are like, I need to get this shit done because I got to start pumping poison at a different <laughs> site in the morning. My and maybe it's like they got into the business because that was their passion. Like their passion was for poisoning animals. Pumping poison, yeah. Pumping. <laughs> Could be, right. yeah. Right. They, they, I mean, they're like, I'm tired of poisoning kids at Halloween for free. I want to yeah. get paid for my for my passion. And luckily, those guys, the fucking whistle blows, and they're out of there before those trucks show up and oh, start. Oh, they 
they must they must evaporate into their constituent elements because they disappear. Mm. Maybe they jump off the cliff like so many <laughs> they, alleged lemmings. They, they use the same shinobi powers that the uh, monster trucks use to avoid the firewall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, they, but they manage to stop all the poison before it gets there too late. Uh, the truck that Trip is in falls into this big hole into the underground lake. But he is saved by all the monsters because it turns out there's a whole colony of, of tentacle monsters down there. Oh, so the poison would have actually killed something. Oh, it would have killed a lot of things. So no tentacle monsters were killed. Many humans were killed during the car crash. Yeah, we got to assume. Uh, and the movie ends with uh, Triphead gets a new truck. I mean, in a way, the humans are killed by the instruments they, they've created for war, so it's kind of fitting. Uh, you mean trucks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, war trucks. mean civilian <laughs> consumer cars? Yeah. I mean, they knew what they were buying. I See, mean, that's the that's the subtlety of this uh, movie is like you really don't know what the movie feels about trucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, are trucks a force for good or trucks a force for bad? It's really about who's in a, the truck. Yeah, is it yeah. a rolling coffin? Yeah, or is it a speeding <laughs> Altoids tin <laughs> full of people? Uh, it's hard to know, but you're right. It really presents a double-edged view of of trucks. It tells mm-hmm. both sides of the tale. So the we get a little bit of a like a after not an after credit sequence, but like an afterward where we see Barry Peps and our hero putting a normal style engine in a truck. Trip, I guess that'll work. Trip and his soon-to-be stepdad, I assume, have buried the hatchet, and they really come to terms with each other. There's a great shot of Barry Pepper and Amy Ryan walking away from a mailbox. I'm assuming clutching their paychecks that they got from this movie. (laughs) Um, And we should mention also that the bit that earlier in the film, Danny Glover gives a big thumbs up while sitting at the side of the road, while his tow truck is uh, taking a crying family's van out of the, (laughs) out of a ditch. When they need a truck to, to to refit earlier in the film for one of Creech's parents, uh oh! Whose truck needs to be repoed? The rich kid who's always taunting Trip in his bright green truck. Who has those fucking arms, it? though, dude? His like, arms are jacked. As much All as right. as much shit as that dude talks, he can back it up. Look he at those can arms, back it up, man. He's just he's amazing. Okay, yeah. this is not, not important stuff. We should move on to final judgments because we've gone so long. So, partly because it's a fish. Because of the technical difficulties, it slowed us down. It didn't help that I talked for a long time about love in an elevator either. Yeah. Before you shut it down, I just want to say there's this great moment where our hero, the jack dude with the truck, (laughs) sees Trip drive by and he has accepted, you know what? Sometimes it's my lady's time to drive. And he's sitting in the, what, like, uh, the, the convertible, VW convertible that his girlfriend's driving. And he's holding a big bunch of bags, and he's like, "You know what? I can do that. I can take this role sometimes too. No, I, don't, have, I can be a supportive boy. You have completely misread the situation. Okay, yeah. but we are supposed to read that as without his truck, he has been emasculated. Oh. He is now not, the woman who was an accessory to him, his girlfriend. He is now an accessory to her. The tables have been turned. Oh, so the look he has on his face when Trip drives by in that sick ass truck. It is, is one of chagrin. Oh, I th- it's. I thought it was a. Take me with you. Well, there's a little. I bit can of, be your girlfriend now. Yeah, there's a little bit of a. Yes, yeah, I only worship trucks. <laughs> there's a little bit of the. I've been in your position, and the tables can be turned. So enjoy it while it lasts. For all things are transitory, says the Buddha. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, he became a Buddhist in between scenes. Did I the bully? Did I not mention that? No, I don't that ex- remember that. That explains jacked arms. You know. 
<laughs> Not really. So, Dan, final judgments? Yeah, final judgments on this movie. Whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Dan's just chomping at the bit to tell us how much he likes Champing. it. Uh, I Chomping. I kind of like this movie, guys. Sure. Uh, okay. I, you love trucks. Dan's a real, also a real gearhead. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't see as a lot of times when we're recording, he's actually, and yet there are long periods of silence when he's not saying anything. He's actually underneath a truck working on it because mm-hmm. he always has a truck that he's working on in his apartment. We were watching Mad Max Fury Road, and I caught him crying, and he's like, "I'm like, what's wrong, Dan? Are you sad about what happened to humanity?" He's like, "No, those trucks got hurt." <laughs> I just want to hug those trucks and make them feel better and kiss their boo-boos. Yeah, the long periods of silence are not because you guys are fucking yapping and yapping and yapping. Uh, anyway. Hey, snake That's, or be snake. That describes <laughs> ten years of my life. Damn. Uh, no, I thought... This, <laughs> I thought this movie was fun. I, like, there's a lot of stuff that was stupid in this movie, like, and that, there was stuff that I didn't like. Uh, such as when the heroes are running over innocent people's property and we're supposed to still like them, <laughs> yeah. even though they're, they're wantonly destruct, destroying uh, people's the, lives. The real monsters are the, are the people destroying private property. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought it was fun. I thought it was like... Uh, well, luckily the EPA shuts down that big business at the end, so we can oh, be like, right. oh, government finally does their job I, for a change. I forgot. They plant some endangered horned-toed lizards... Uh, in the near the lake, and call the EPA, and so the EPA shuts down the area as a as a habitat, and then arrests Rob Lowe. The, the lake <laughs> is not like, set aside, <laughs> and he has a look on his face and they handcuff him like, oh, oh. <laughs> I've reached climax. <laughs> I thought we said we were going to talk about Dan reaching climaxes anymore. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I apologize, Dan. You liked this movie. Yeah, I felt like it was doing an, uh, sort of an homage to 1980s creature kitty films. And on that level, I sort of enjoyed it. It was not a, uh, like an A-level version of that movie, but I found like it was a B-level version of that I movie. I definitely say, having recently watched Max Steel, the, the like creature that our hero runs into is so much more charming. Oh, I mean, this yeah. is a much better movie than Max Steel. Yeah. For and sure. the, the, I think I thought the creatures were all, the creature design was all pretty fun. Like I would have, I would have liked a little more variety. Uh, it, it made me wish for something like the masters of the universe movie where like super weird shit happens for no reason. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it can't all be masters of the universe, the movie. Um, but yeah, <laughs> That's the <laughs> lesson you have to learn in life. <laughs> can't all be Masters of the Universe, the movie. For how did I... went into every movie assuming it would be Masters of the Universe, the movie? If only... Mm, if uh, I... Million Dollar Baby. I, I guess it's about a Masters of the Universe character. In some ways, I kind of wish that when I walked out of that theater in Fort Wayne, Indiana, having just seen Masters of the Universe, my fucking pupils super dilated, and me walking on clouds... <laughs> If some stranger, possibly me from the future, was standing there to whisper in my ear, they're not all going to be like Masters of the Universe, the movie. Uh, if only so that it would have allowed me to amend my expectations. I have to assume Kid U would have angrily pushed that warning into the person with the warning into the bushes and said, you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah, and if, it was, if he had pushed me from the future, we would have <laughs> melded into one being and uh, like, like dissolved like a time cop. Time cop style. Uh, uh, Ron Silver, R.I.P. Did you give a... 
Uh, oh, Judgment, though? I don't I, think he did. I thought I said it wasn't as good as Masters of the Universe, the movie. <laughs> yeah, all right. On the scale of Masters of the Universe to Max Steel, it's in the middle. Yeah, yeah, it's easily, it's it's closer to, ah, uh, it's in the middle. I'll say this about this movie. You know, the, it's it's not that bad. It's it's not a movie that you're going to watch and, like, tell a bunch of dumb jokes during. It's, it's in some ways more confidently made than I expected, um, but it's also not as like super wacky and crazy. No, for a movie, it fe- it's like for a movie that was made by real professionals. There's a lot of people in the who made this movie who made lots of other movies. It feels very amateurish and low budget, which is weird considering it apparently had a very high budget. But I will say this: if you are an adult, don't bother to watch this movie. It will neither be bad enough for you to enjoy it or good enough that you'll have fun with it. But <laughs> If you have kids and it's raining out and you need them to be quiet so that you can do some work at home, maybe you're doing your taxes, I don't know. Maybe one of your kids is Dan. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Or if you're a Dan McCoy. <laughs> or you're Dan McCoy. Who is an adult with a child's brain. Child at heart, <laughs> brain, and every other part. Uh, then, and Monster Trucks is available on Netflix. Go ahead and let them watch it. You know what? It's going to be fine. Yeah, it's not the best kid who finds a monster movie, but it's not the worst. If my son says, hey, Dad, can I watch Max Steel? I would slap the TV remote out of his hands. And I would say, go to your room. You are grounded for even thinking about that. But if he was and like... he would get hey, on his hoverboard and ride all the way to his <laughs> and room. And ride back to his space room on the moon. Uh, but if he wow, said... you can afford a room on the moon? Oh, it's very expensive, but it's worth it. They have the best schools there. Yeah. Uh, but if he said, hey, Dad, can I watch Monster Trucks? I'd be like, hey, you know what? Knock yourself out. I'm going to go over here and fold some laundry. (laughs) Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases, I ask them questions, they're good ones, and then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flowbie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. Uh, hey, guys. What? What? Hey, what, Dan? Hey. Did something else break? This podcast (laughs) has a sponsor. Or two. It's good because we have some problems. This podcast is sponsored in part by ZipRecruiter. Uh, ZipRecruiter, are you hiring? Yes. Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? I don't. Posting your job in just one place isn't enough to find quality it's candidates. Insane. Oh, it's not? Uh, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Look, guys, if you want a good uh, hire, you need to post your job on all of the top job sites. You gotta cast the widest net to catch the biggest fish. Yeah, and with ZipRecruiter.com... You can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Wait a minute. That's a site-to-click ratio of like 100 to 1. 
That's uh, yeah, exactly. That's the most you can get out of one click without exploding your mouse. Yeah, yeah. except for some of those sites where I click on the thing and then like a whole bunch of pop sh- pop-ups show up and I'm like, I don't want this. <laughs> Fair point. Dan, continue. You can find candidates <laughs> in any city or industry nationwide. Any city? Any city. What about St. Petersburg, Florida? Uh, yeah, maybe say, you yeah. need somebody to work at the Van Gogh Museum, which is a premier uh, attraction at St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Petersburg, I know the Salvador Dali Museum is there. The That's Museum. what I meant. <laughs> I think the Van Gogh Museum is in Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, you're totally right. And I've been to both. <laughs> ah, this has been Places Stewart has been. <laughs> Brought to you by a zip recruiter, Dan. Just post <laughs> once and watch your qualified candidates roll in. <laughs> ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free Whoa! by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. So if they go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first, they can post a job listing at no cost. ZipRecruiter is getting nothing from it. Yeah, that's right. ZipRecruiter is allowing people to take advantage of them mm-hmm. for free. Yep. At a hundred sites at one click to post your job postings and hire the best people. Now, I'm really hoping ZipRecruiter isn't hearing us say this because it sounds like we're taking advantage of them. Sounds like they're being chumps. It, I mean, it's at this point, I hate to say it, but this is what gotta go what, take advantage of this before ZipRecruiter realizes what they're doing. This is what ZipRecruiter doesn't want you to hear. <laughs> yeah, this is these are the this is the message ZipRecruiter's afraid you're gonna find out about. Yeah, this is like. Look, if you're hiring someone, this is the equivalent of you walked into McDonald's, you ordered one quarter pound of cheese. Okay. uh, It sounds like you've been to a McDonald's recently. (laughs) And they gave you two, but they only charged you for one. Uh Uh-huh. Now, are you going to It's an ethical question. Are you going to hand back this burger, or are you just going to get out of there as quick as you can before they realize their mistake and eat two burgers worth of sawdusty meat? Mm-hmm. Are you going to pay them tomorrow for a burger you eat today? No, because that would make you wimpy. <laughs> a fictional character. So ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Yeah. One more time. If you try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Uh, our podcast is also sponsored in part by The Black Tux. What? Looking great for a wedding or special event has never been easier than with the TheBlackTux.com. Explain. I find looking great for a wedding be a huge imposition and hard to do one i've got to already own a suit or buy a new suit i gotta own a tux or buy a tux or rent one Mm -hmm. and i have to go somewhere to get it i gotta try it on and it costs a lot of money and the thing that elliot gets mad about is he goes to build a bear workshop and they're all out of tuxes (laughs) (laughs) it's the only size that fits me (laughs) and can accommodate elliot's level of body fur and now look i live (laughs) uh yes true okay uh I, I have I have what is referred to in the business uh, as a Brian Blessed level of body fur. Sure. Now, uh, and I live in a New York apartment. I don't have a lot of closet space. Now I've got suits and tuxes clogging up my closet. Yeah. Dan, is there any way this could be made easier for well, me? Well, look. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Stop hey. yelling at me. Settle down. I know I was yelling at you, and I apologize. Why are you making eye contact with Ellie? With high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your door... The Black Tux gives you a new way to rent. The Black Tux offers free home try-on so you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. The best part, it's completely done online. To get free shipping both ways, plus $20 (laughs) off your purchase, 
Visit theblacktux.com slash flop. Theblacktux.com slash flop. And you can get that deal both ways, right? Yeah, north or south. Can you Sour get cream or without? Or yeah, can you get it animal style? Yeah, can I get it? Can I get it with whiz? <laughs> Gross. Can you get it with whiz or provolone? Uh, so I think we've got a couple jumbotrons too, right, guys? Heck yeah, we do. Jumbotron. <laughs> okay, so this message is from William. Dan, I'll put the music in in post. Thank you. The message is for Rollin and Christopher. Hey, dudes. <laughs> is that how it's written? I figure you knew this was coming, but I thought you'd appreciate it coming from either a sad, defeated, pedantic, and high-pitched, or super cool and sexy voice of an original peach. Would you guys be groomsmen at my wedding? Rawr! That's really nice. Yeah, that's great. I hope they're listeners. I hope they are. If not, thanks for writing in. Uh, and there's also another Jumbotron message. This message is for the future child due to arrive as long as nothing goes wrong within the next few months. Unlike what's going wrong with our computer and sound system. Yes, hopefully the child will not come out making beep boop <laughs> noises. Oh, man. Who is this message from? Dave, last name withheld. Foley. And the message is, Dead Man's Shoes, now that's a film. Watch that, Peaches. My unborn Mishka will value your opinion when she's old enough to value your opinion. Anyway, there's this Kapsova woman who's going to plop out a parasite I've given life to. So good luck to her, I guess. P-R-R-T. I don't know how to pronounce that. So an enigmatic and strange Is that an acronym? Uh, yeah, it probably means, please read really tired. <laughs> and I did! Yay! Now, Dan, I have a I have a jumbotron message. I have a whole jumbotron yeah, message you know too. What? Hold on, before we get to that, we all have messages. We have messages. Before we get to that, I do. There's one uh, uh, thing that I sh- I should plug, and that's our live show. Okay, I mean that could have come after our jumbotron. All right, well, I need no, no, your jumbotron dude, let's card. plug the live show. So we you, don't, you already we're... pushed the brakes. Let's hear hear the story. Yeah, you pumped them. Now let's dump them. We have a live show. At the Brooklyn Bell House on June the 9th. That's that's six nine. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, sixty nine. Nice. Twenty seventeen uh-huh. AD. Uh, watching LAP stuff together like hey Dan, Hercule Perot. Let me let me take the rest of this one. Okay. Hey everybody, the Flop House is doing another one of its rare live shows at the Bell House in Brooklyn uh-huh. in Gowanus. You know the Bell House if you've been there. It's a great venue. It fits the Flophouse like a glove. We'll be doing a live recording of a Flophouse episode. That's right. This is not a movie riffing show. We will be recording a real episode of the Flophouse. You can hear your totally crazed, beer-soaked laughter on tape at a future date. Immortalized. I like the idea that laughter can be soaked by beer, but go Heck on. Yeah. <laughs> That's, once again, ten years of my life. Um, <laughs> And you can also come see us within a few miles of our living domiciles. This is a rare live Flophouse show, June 9th, 2017, at 7.30 p.m.? Uh, I believe that's correct. I'll this is put a Friday a link to night. It on the Bell House. It's a Friday or, night, 7.30 p.m. I'll put a link to it on the Bell House. I'll put a link to it on the website. Thank you. 
Tickets are going fast. By the time we're getting around to announcing this on the show, the show There's about is... 100 tickets left, uh, just based on people who've already bought them off of Facebook, off of Twitter. So uh, buy these quickly. And these tickets are going fast. If you get a golden ticket, someone has sold you a fake ticket. There if are I, no golden tickets. If anything, you should buy a ticket so I, uh, I can say hi to you, and you can come hear me tell stupid jokes. You'll hear us tell stupid jokes. We'll do some presentations, maybe. There'll be a question and answer session. Yeah, we have time to do presentations again, Dan, right? That's correct. Oh, man, I'm going to make such a cool PowerPoint. We're going to do all sorts of fun <clears throat> and have all sorts of things. So come on down to the bell house. Guys, I have some news I want to share. Uh, <laughs> really brought the room down. Yeah. Um, so this is gonna this is gonna complicate things, but uh, somebody one of the original peaches is moving, and it's me, Stuart from the Flop House. Yeah, I'm moving about four blocks away from my new bar. Uh, the apartment has a terrace. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Uh, it is going to mean that the next month or so is going to be pretty complicated. But, you know, I'll figure it out because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool. All right. Sounds good. That sounds well, great. I've got another that's message. Only, that's the only message that we need to talk about. Uh, I have one more message. Uh, single message. I have a, there's another oh, yeah, message. What, what are you talking about? So this way? is a Jumbotron message, and this message is for Dan and Stuart and all Flophouse listeners. Okay. And this message is from Elliot, last name withheld, Kalen. Okay. And uh, I, it's interesting, Stuart, that you mentioned a move of some kind. You know, that's weird. Why is that interesting? It seems that my life is taking an interesting turn. Uh-huh. A turn, shall we say, to the West. Uh, that's right. It behooves me to mention here, and I mention it more to then get into a reassurance than to get into an unassurance, that uh, my life is... Moving in a direction that is one I thought it would go in for a while okay. to California. <laughs> and so uh, later this year, sometime this summer, uh, my family and I will be leaving the environs of Brooklyn, which we have known for many years as our home, uh, where my son was born and raised. Technically, he was born in Manhattan. But, uh, but how, how are you going to show? Will, and I will be moving to Los Angeles, California, where there are a lot more career opportunities that are not in the Elliot, late night topical world. That's the city of angels. You're not dead. So, checkmate. Uh, my doctor says different. <laughs> uh, no, he said he, I would be dead. If that's I really great. Going. I've, been, I've been waiting to find out when we would be able to stop doing this show. No, 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 Stuart. For, and let me reassure listeners. I am moving to Los Angeles. Uh, I'm going to be living there for the foreseeable future, possibly forever. But that does not mean the flop house is going, because as many people know, we were cursed by an old woman that we met on a dark, moonless Poor man. road. <laughs> uh, you're right, it was moonless, it was just some sort of crone. Uh, we were cursed to have to come together bi-monthly, or twice a month, to watch bad movies. And so that curse will continue. Uh, I will, alas, not be at Dan's apartment recording these episodes in the future. Oh, wow. You seem really broken up about that part. <laughs> yeah, I won't have to deal with a cat that jumps on my lap and claws on my penis when I'm trying to talk. That can happen once. <laughs> it happened multiple times. And is it right, penis? Yes. Uh, but it will be... It'll, we'll, have, we'll have some bugs to work out with the podcast. Uh, it, it may yeah, be a we little... apparently have bugs to work out even we're all in the same fucking <laughs> yeah. room. Uh, it may be a little bumpy at times. But I want all the listeners to know and to be assured that this move 
is very much not me leaving the Flophouse and not the Flophouse ending. I cannot stay away from Dan Stewart for too long, for I love them dearly, and they mean very much to me. Uh, through the course of doing this show with them, they have gone from being friends of mine to being my closest friends. I need to get a beer. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stuart, that you're afraid of true emotion. Um, and so I'm not going to give up with that. So we're going to have to figure it out. Dan, we have some technical stuff that we're going to have to deal with. Got a lot of technical stuff we're going to have to deal with, but that's not for talking about on the air. But what, what that also means is that these li- this live show in New York, and I hopefully we'll have some other live shows at some point, but uh, <laughs> the live show in New York will be... One of the last live shows. In New York. In New York. Uh, and that if we're doing a live show in the future, know that it will be a super special event because Dan and Stuart and I will not be around each other as much as we used to be. Yeah. So I mean, we'll just do a bunch of sh- uh, live shows in Vegas because it's cheap <laughs> for us all to fly there. When we do live shows in the future, it will be... Uh, a special occasion, and we will all be giddy to be around each other once again. They'll all be reunion shows. But rest assured, floppers, I cannot assure you enough, unless I die on the (laughs) way to Los Angeles, this show will continue with me as a part of it. I wouldn't dream of allowing Dan and Stuart to go on without me. (laughs) For it was me who was that old crone on the moonless night (laughs) who cursed us. Because I just didn't want to be away from you guys for too long. Mm. All right. Well, that was creepy and sweet, I guess. Uh, just like that new candy I have coming out, Sugar Skulls. <laughs> I think mean, they'd sell pretty well. Oh, yeah. Would you, have like a, yeah would you have like a Marilyn Monroe holding a pair of pistols on the packaging? Oh, no, I hate those. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of changes around Flophouse Way. Down Flophouse Drive. Oh, and my voice changed. That was the other change, yeah. Not I that fi- much. It happened, guys. I finally went through the change. <laughs> I, I, I noticed it. <laughs> oh, really? You can't t- I'm sounding much more grown up and masculine now. Is your dad werewolf going to show up and explain all about it? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so we should move on, though. Um, to what? What do we do on this podcast? Letters from listeners. Before we get into the letters proper... Uh, I just want to say a few thanks for some gifts that we've received. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Sarah for the humor magazine uh, that she's the editor of. Thanks for sending a copy of that. What's the name of that that humor magazine? Um, keep vamping. Okay, so Ellie, you're moving to La La Land. That's huh? what I'm doing. Is it because you love jazz so much? It's, I noticed that this new jazz club opened up, and what I like about mm-hmm. it is the guy who runs it hates new music. And he only wants to play the same piano and str- and slap bass songs. But he likes playing soft saxophone over love scenes. <laughs> yeah. And what I realized is I need to go to like a pretentious, stuffy place that's afraid of change. Uh-huh. And so I just want to go to this this place. Okay. Savage so. Henry. Savage Henry is the name of the, the humor magazine. Oh, perfect. Thanks for Without the missing a beat. <laughs> Thanks to Daniel and Marie for the DVD copy of Black Superman. Thanks to David for the DVD of Sex Mission. And, uh, <laughs> oh, weird. We haven't seen that DVD. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks to D. Gray. The packaging seems clawed open by some kind of beast. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just check Dan's DVD player. Oh, there it is. Oh, let's, uh, let's scan it get a already, DNA sample. Somehow already melted down by overuse of the laser in the DVD player. 
and lastly, thanks to D. Gray for the copy of uh, The Man from Hong Kong and also the Ziggy Cake Pan. Yes, a cake pan in the shape of Ziggy from the comics page. That's a perfect housewarming gift for Elliot's new L.A. apartment. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's more of a going-away gift for me to give to you guys. Okay. Uh, Dan, are you going to make me a Ziggy Cake to before I leave? You're going to make some boy bait in that Ziggy Cake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a reference that the audience will not get. So one of the first parties in New York I remember going to, Dan made this fucking cobbler called Boy Bait, and oh lordy, did we laugh about that. <laughs> did it draw the boys, i.e. me and Simon, to eat all of the bait? It did. And then we were killed. <laughs> but, uh... And then Adam Sandler can inhabit your bodies, like in The Cobbler. Oh, that's great. Man. I was heavily punished for telling them what the thing was called. <laughs> you should have lied! You should have just said, oh, it's You should have called it, like... Cool guy, more power. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so letters. Anyway, we're going to get right into this. Uh, from Rebus. Rebus has got a letter for us. Rebus, Ooh. see us, tell us. I know I was a little off. Not in the same room anymore, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just giving you a taste of what you're going to miss. And by miss, I mean not miss. Dan right. Stewart. <laughs> this is from Rebus, last name withheld. Daredevil Rebus Canibus. Who writes, hey guys, I recently rewatched... Daredemon Rebus Canibus, I'm sorry. Oh, thank For you. For the Firesign Theater fans, yeah. yeah. I recently rewatched Scream, which I think holds up well. I was thinking back to the first time he I saw it. You rewatched a painting? That's right. <laughs> Edward Munch's Scream. Um, Rebus is actually Skeet Ulrich. Do you guys remember when there was that art-themed serial, Munch's? All right. Edvard Munches. <laughs> okay. And also that, that horror movie, Edvard Munchies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that you're crediting Munchies as a horror movie. <laughs> I guess it's more of what? That's what like I, a cool little alien monster. <laughs> That's what I get when I'm stoned, Edvard Munchies. Uh, anyway, Scream, which I think holds up well. I was thinking back to the first time I saw it while I was in college. My school had a special screening in a big chemistry lecture hall, and if my memory is correct, it had not been released yet in theaters. <laughs> But thanks to the trailers, anticipation was high. The point of the story is that the crowd was super pumped to see the movie, and there was a real buzz in the auditorium. As a result, there were lots of screams and lots of laughs, and it was one of, if not the best theater experience of my life. As a result, I think the wonderful environment took a good movie and made it an amazing one. So my question for you is, how important do you think viewing environment is, and have you ever had a similar experience where the crowd made a bad movie good, or a good movie, great. Thanks for your wonderful prod podcast, Rebus. Okay, Dan's looking at me to answer these questions, and I'll answer them. Uh, I I've been a big fan of uh, you know we've we have uh, friends who work at the Alamo Draft House here in New York and up in Yonkers, and those are those have been such great movie experiences for me especially because I only get to the theater once in a while, so I don't mind going and, you know, drinking all a bunch of beer and getting wasted. Um, but, uh, and that's the always the only way to get through fences. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was the only way I could pick up on that snappy dialogue. <laughs> uh, the, I, although it would be fitting, right? Drinking a bunch of gin. Um, but what I was going to say is a week or two ago, I'm going to talk about an example of a bad theater going experience 
where I went to, this was like a couple days after I went to a late night screening of a horror movie, and there was a steam pipe that was whistling through a chunk of the movie, and that sucked. Um, but I went to a, my wife is getting a, uh, a photo shoot done in Philly, and it was a closed set. So I'm like, I have like four hours to fucking <laughs> kill. Set. It was a closed set. It was this like pinup girl photo shoot that I got her as a birthday gift or a Christmas gift. <laughs> and they were like, no, no, sir. You can't see this woman. Your uh-huh. wife. Yeah, yeah. And my tongue was rolling around on the ground and my eyes were popping out. Well, because yeah. a demon had taken over you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was large marginate. <laughs> large marginate. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. I wish that was like some kind of <laughs> phrase for like. You wish that people could do that? <laughs> no. But I wish that was a phrase for like. Some aspect of like the hip hop lifestyle, and, like just marked margin it. <laughs> uh, so, so I wasn't allowed in to walk. It was specifically the rule was no men, uh, no like husband or men. no boys and, allowed. Yeah, yeah, no boys allowed. Uh, and the proud. the photo shoot went great. Celeste Giuliano photography, it's awesome. But um, we, well, I had like four hours to kill, so I decided to go catch a. I decided to go catch a screening of Logan at ten a.m. So I go to the theater. Yep. I go to the theater and I can't wait. Like I had to wait around for a little bit before it even opened because it was a fucking 10 a.m. screening. I get in there. I'm the only person for a while. When the, uh, when the trailers start, um, people start to filter in a young lady and her friends were sitting behind me and she made a point of, uh, telling her friends loudly what video game each trailer was based on and got most of them wrong. (laughs) It's clearly War for Planet of the Apes, not Gears of War, because there's a shitload of monkeys in the trailer, uh, or apes, and the uh, the movie starts up, Logan, the first scene in Logan is fucking awesome, Wolverine is saying motherfucker a bunch, spoiler alert, and they like chops dudes' faces off. It is the hard, hard R-rated superhero movie that a teenage steward and a grown-up steward would have loved. And then right after that opening scene, a mom walks in with like a dozen little kids who are being super noisy. And we're watching this hard R-rated movie. That's crazy. I know that like, give it a couple more scenes. I'm assuming this movie isn't going to become like a PG movie right after that. So I figured those kids will leave, but I didn't want to like ruin this movie going experience. So I literally stood up in front of everybody and said, fuck this, and like made a show of grabbing my backpack while people laughed at me. And I stormed out to be like, I'm going to tell the manager. Classic. And I, I get into the lobby, and it's a fucking sea of children. Now I realize that it's spring break, and like whatever moms or dads didn't have to work were just taking whatever kids were in their neighborhood to the fucking movies. <laughs> Not even their kids. Not even their kids. Just kids they saw on the street. Yeah, just Pied Piper in. So I left and just, I read a book in a coffee shop like a cool guy. Uh, I think I may have, so we're talking about good theater experiences to remind the listeners since Stuart talked about him. Yeah, there was a- I can talk about whatever I want. This is my podcast. No, I yeah. I'm just resetting. Uh, I also said that the Alamo Draft House rules. Yeah, and, and bringing kids drool. into Logan rules. Yeah, uh, I think I've told this story before, but uh, I'm just gonna—I don't care because, uh, <laughs> in short words, it's my fucking podcast. Uh, so I went to see Bad Boys Two, a terrible movie. At um, well, <laughs> I went to see it at uh, a downtown Brooklyn theater. And I had a great time because the audience was super engaged, like super like whooping was and yelling. Was it Court Street? 
Yeah, of course. That Street. theater is fucking. That's, that's a high crazy. energy theater. Yeah. People were going nuts. People were responding to everything on screen. And there's a scene where was there anybody smoking in the theater? Because that's happened to me. <laughs> I don't remember that. But there was a scene where Martin Lawrence is like crawling in a crawl space yeah, under a building. Yeah, there's a scene rats, in the yeah. movie, and he sees two rats uh, fucking each other. And like this, they're, they're like doing puppets, it like, right? They, they didn't actually puppets. train rats. No, to have I don't sex. think. No, that would. I mean, would you have to train them, or would you just like trick them? <laughs> trick them? No, no. These cameras are turned off. That red light means the camera is off. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to be leave the room, yeah. and you just go and do it. Anyway, these two rats are fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin Lawrence is talking over uh, like a, a walkie-talkie to Will Smith, and he goes, "He goes, they they have sex just like us." <laughs> And the guy next to me, like, elbows me in the ribs. <laughs> and he's like, eh? Eh? And I'm like, react. I'm like, great. Yeah, pretty, that guy had, pretty good. I wish that guy had no idea that he was nudging <laughs> the, the person who would most enjoy that scene. <laughs> I wish then that he like, that yeah. said, I wrote that. <laughs> or no, the person nudging you was Martin Lawrence. <laughs> he nudges you in the ribs, and then he's like, I have sex that way. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, yeah, rats yeah. fucking. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, you pulled out your phone and it was just a bunch of pictures of rats fucking. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's. Great. And then there was like that's a very there was a rat in a in a in like a there was like a like a dowager rat, a very proper who said, I don't need to watch this filth and got up and screamed out of the theater. Yeah, I probably mentioned, but I saw like a late night screening of the English language Girl with a Dragon Tattoo uh, at that theater and a homeless guy walked in, or not homeless, it could have just been a drunk guy because he smelled like booze and he like, was like wandering around and he smoked a cigarette and it <laughs> added both added a smell factor that that movie needed and it also added like a what the fuck is this guy going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly real life is a lot more it's, yeah, it was exciting really cool. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'll briefly state, I don't remember the story I told the podcast before or not, when the Brady Bunch movie came out, which is <laughs> yeah. about as mediocre a film as there is. Uh, nothing special, not bad, not good. It's just there. Uh, I remember seeing the theater because I was like a teenager at the time. I'd see anything. And the movie started up and it starts up with the Brady Bunch theme. Maybe there's a teaser and then the Brady Bunch theme. And the entire audience spontaneously started singing along with it. And I'm sure we're not the only audience that did that when that movie came out. But there was something about, like, not a song I particularly care about. Not a movie I really give a shit about. But, like, the entire audience in the theater coming together in this, like, joyful rec- recognition of a thing that they knew very well was a very beautiful experience in its own way. And that dissipated as soon as the song was over. Yeah, but it was but it was very exciting that everyone suddenly had locked onto the same beam. You know, that's cool. It was nice. Uh, this <clears throat> next letter is from Mason, last name withheld. Gamble, star of Dennis the Menace, the movie. Uh-huh. Who writes? Is there a line or moment from a movie you otherwise enjoyed that just grinds your gears for some reason? The scene that has stuck with me is this moment in Hellboy where Trevor Bruttenholm, the professor, uh, pronounced Broom. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Is given a tour. You should be. He's a, he's a decorated supernatural expert. Trevor Broom, the professor, is giving a tour to John Thaddeus Myers, the new normal guy, and points out that this points out this artifact in a display case. Broom mentions that. Sorry, Broom mentions what it is, then says, "When Hitler got it in his possession, his power increased threefold." What the fuck does that mean? Did three times as many young Germans pop out of the ground to join the military? 
Did Germans become three times more anti-Semitic? Did the sperm crowd count increase threefold? The sperm crowd. That's what they call it in Germany. <laughs> sperm crowd. Too vinegary. Please don't order the sperm crowd. Years have gone by and this moment still bugs me. If Hitler was presented as some kind of evil mage, then fine. His power increased threefold. Yeah, but yeah. just saying a guy's power increased threefold, it's meaningless. It's Dude, totally it's a real Vegeta. And making me understand what? that object's power. That guy in Dragon Ball Z. Oh. I, I think he could bench three times as much, I think, as before. Hitler. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for any thoughts, Goose. Mason, last name withheld. Actually, it, I don't feel the same way about this. I mean, I'm like, I'm sure there are movies that have moments where I'm like, ooh. But uh, in the first Captain America movie, there's the part where uh, Red Skull is talking to these to the Nazi Officer, and he's doing it in that great accent. That's what I loved about Hugo Weaving's performance <laughs> is that he not just did a a German accent, but he's like, I'm going to do a very specific, specific regional accent. Yeah, but he's there's a point where he's he's got like a laser weapon, and he's showing sure. the targets, and they're like, Wait a minute, Berlin is on this map. You would attack us too. And I think the point of that scene is supposed to be. Red Skull is so evil, he'll, he's going to turn on his masters. He's only in it for himself. But me, as a viewer, I'm like, okay, so Red Skull's not that big a Nazi. He's therefore not as much a villain. To me. Like, okay, now I like Red Skull more. <laughs> like, he's just in it for himself. He's not a, he's not a venomous anti-Semite. Okay, like that's cool. Like this. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got re- like I can follow his reasoning. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I, I like him more. I prefer him to Hitler at this point. So I think I just didn't get the response out of me. I think the movie. You left the theater with a red skull pin on your jacket. Yeah. I <laughs> guess I'm joining Hydra now. Yeah. Why not? Sure. Uh, yeah. It's uh, so a movie that I love is the Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, but in the extended version, <clears throat> which I also love, there's a sequence where they do like a little conclusion for the contest of killing Urukai between Legolas and Gimli. Of course, yeah, and sure. And there's a moment when Gimli is sitting on a dead Urukai with his axe uh, stuck in its head. Clearly a dead Urukai. And Legolas shoots it with an arrow, and he's like, it twitched. And Gimli says something like, it twitched because my axe is buried in its cerebral cortex. And I don't know if that's the specific term, but it felt like too medical a term for me to be like, they wouldn't use this term in Lord of the Rings. Well, it's like there's someone who uh, who tweeted something about there's a, in one of the movies, one of the one of, they're like about to attack. And one of the bad guy orcs says, like, looks like meats on the menu. Tonight. Yeah, that's an awesome one. And someone pointed out, like, how does this orc know what a menu is? <laughs> like, when did he come into contact with a menu? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of restaurants. <laughs> that's, <a> great... <laughs> that's awesome. Good job, Nate. As of now, uncredited tweeter. I, I'm just going to aggregate this and say I don't remember who did it. Uh, the only example I have is pretty bad. Um, I mean, okay, I don't mind that, on. though, because it still on. makes me laugh. But for some reason, the cerebral cortex line, I'm like, Come on, dude. You no, could have just said buried in its head. Yeah. Let's just, brain. Let's just move on. Uh, so this next one is from Julie, last name withheld. Taymor. Who writes... <laughs> what did you guys think about Titus? <laughs> Be honest. I, I liked a lot of it, Julie Taymor. But it's... Wait, the Christopher Titus is a TV show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey oh, I love it. It's so funny. Yeah. Thanks to a close friend of mine <laughs> hesitantly re- recommending this film to me. 
I recently found myself in a small independent theater watching a film called Raw, a French film about a young and nervous teenage girl turned sexy and vicious cannibal. That movie had a lot to say. Spoilers. <laughs> that movie had a lot to say about college hazing culture and teenage rebellion, and I can honestly say it was one of the best films I'd seen in a very long time. It was very scary, gory, but not needlessly so. And the build-up to the final scenes was well-paced and suspenseful. I like this movie quite a bit, but the gore and the general premise has turned off all but one person I tried to explain it to. And that one person was my dad, who may have just been trying to be nice. I know you gentlemen suggest films every episode and spit them into the podcast universe, but what films have you had trouble endorsing outside of the Flophouse? Are there any films that you think, I really want people to see this movie? but also make you worry about certain plot lines or scenes that might not fly as well with most people? How can I recommend a film like this to a friend without fearing they would ghost on me after they watch it in fear that I might be a teenage cannibal as well? Stay Funky Fresh, Julie, last name withheld. Thank you. I will stay Funky Fresh. I remember when Blade Two came out. I went and saw it in the theater a couple times because uh, I was in college and I had plenty of time to go to the movies multiple times in the theater. And I remember recommending it to people... And people coming back, and I'm like, wasn't it fucking great? And they had a look on their face like, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> and that both uh, made me consider who I was recommending these movies to, and also that they were looking for something that is different than what that movie was going to deliver. Uh, Which is great, crazy, monster vagina face vampires. Yeah. There's a lot of movies where I feel like, I'd like it a lot, but I'm worried recommending it will say something about who I am as a person to the person recommending mm-hmm. to it because there's something either extreme or strange in it that I'm not that like they're just not going to understand the same way I understood it. Like a movie like Possession is something I would recommend wholeheartedly, but if if someone in my family watched it, they would be like, "Are you okay? Like, is this?" Are you all right? You know, because I'm worried about you after watching the movie you recommended. Like, I feel like the out there stuff isn't as hard for me to recommend. I mean, we recommend movies a lot here, and I recommend a lot of crazy, dumb movies, but I still like them. And I think it's the more, like, weirdly normal stuff, like something like Manchester by the Sea, a movie that I liked a lot, and I understand why people don't like it. And, but I'm a little bit worried that me recommending it will make me seem like I don't understand them. Uh, I see. When there's yeah. like very real reasons. Like it's not like, oh, I didn't like that because it's like a ton of gore and weird shit. But more, I didn't like it because there's – it's a problematic situation. Yeah. And that it makes me come off as a – as I'm I, I, like insensitive, insensitive to that sort of thing. When I'm not, I just happen to like it. I mean, as someone who watches a lot of old movies, and I've touched on this before, talking about this, like, there are so many movies that are wonderful, but then there's something in it, like, there's either a a non-white character or a way that women are treated in a scene or something that is not okay, and it's like, I don't know if I can recommend this movie because there's this maid character that's totally insulting, but everything besides that is really good. And even, like, my favorite movie, Taking Pelham 123, there's the scenes with Walter Matthau and the Japanese subway guys, yes. which are I don't like at all. Like I, they, and I don't, and even when Walter Matthau gets his like comeuppance, it still doesn't erase that he's been saying these terrible things. So I can yeah. be I can be surprised sometimes too when like about things that don't play well anymore. Like 
sometimes I'm just like I I don't think about it, and then like I I was watching um, a a uh, Marx Brothers movie with a woman fairly recently, and there's like scenes where like Harpo is running around chasing a woman, and it's just like oh yeah, that doesn't play very well anymore. <laughs> like it doesn't help to be like. But you see, Harpo is a sexless imp. <laughs> he's a sprite. He doesn't know what to do with the women once he's caught them. Yeah. It just, it just yeah. plays like, oh, okay, this guy is like assaulting this woman. The, in some ways, uh, I mean, maybe I'm just patting myself on the back here, but sometimes those kind of situations coming up, uh, I appreciate having an opportunity to like think about why it bothers me or why mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And whether or not, and then actually having to, I'm spending some time in judging whether or not I think it's the value of the work of art is like, it still makes it worthwhile despite what the, the problematic elements. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And then having to say it out loud on the internet in front of people and be like, judge me, please. Well, you're like, I recognize why this is problematic, but upon looking at it, I discard it because it doesn't bother me as a as a privileged white male. Yeah, as I'm a like, cisgender mm, white straight male. So uh, like, I think so, I know what's best. You know what? I looked at it from a three sixty degree <laughs> angle. It still doesn't bug me that much. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, Elliot summarizes my joke perfectly. Uh, last quick letter, dear Stuart and Elliot. Hey. Yep. Why are you so mean to Dan? <laughs> Dear Dan. Have you heard of this guy? Dear Dan, why are Stuart and Elliot so mean to you? Signed, Dan McCoy with Hell. Hey, whoa! Oh, All right, oh. let's get into it. Let's get real. We're like an hour and a hundred minutes into this podcast, <laughs> but let's start talking about the issues. I mean, I guess this has been an episode where I made fun of Dan masturbating a lot. Me too. Dan, I'm sorry, you don't masturbate. No, You're it's, sexless. It's fine. I know everyone does it. I mean, it's cool. Just Elliot has a look on his face like, not me. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we on the record here? <laughs> Elliot says a little ghost comes and checks him off. <laughs> <laughs> look, Dan Aykroyd tipped me off to this ghost blowjob service. It's incredible. It's amazing. And the best part is they unbutton your pants for you. That's crazy. Why does it even do that? Yeah, I don't know. Just it's do it inside the pants. <laughs> service. Um, hey, Dan. And you just throw everything hey. in the wash. Hey, I'm sorry if we're too mean to you sometimes. Thanks, buddy. It's all right. I'll miss you. I like to think <laughs> we're being mean to the Dan character. <laughs> Even when we text mean things to you. Well, we're hoping that's going to get screenshotted. Yeah. Screenshot. Yeah, screenshot. Uh, we should definitely move on because, God damn, this has been long. It's been long. We talk, we're barely Don't talking worry, about it. Don't worry, you'll have fun editing it. So what do we do next? <laughs> Uh, last recommendations and let's do it super fast we do recommendations a movie that we actually liked, liked. let's do it super movie. fast I'm gonna fucking jump right in here this should be no joke at all to you foolios <laughs> I'm gonna recommend a horror movie that's in theaters and on demand right now you should go watch The Void uh, this is by the guys who made a movie I talked about earlier uh, on an earlier episode called Manborg uh, I believe it's directed. It's from these guys, Jeremy Gillespie and uh, what? Johnny Galecki. No, I'm gonna Dizzy remember, Gillespie. I'm gonna remember how to say their names exactly right now. 
Um, eggs right here. Eggs. Eggs. Thank eggs. you, IMDb. His I'm... name's Eggs Actley. <laughs> okay, so it's Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kotansky. And I'm not just gonna recommend. Uh, not just gonna recommend their movie because uh, they support the Flophouse uh, because they come to one of our live shows. Um, but these guys, uh, they they put together a really great little B horror movie with amazing pra- practical effects. It looks great. The sound and music is great, and it kind of plays like if somebody was screening Prince of Darkness and then swapped out the last reel for Hellraiser 2. Uh, it's an ooey-gooey horror movie. Fresh and chewy. Ooey-gooey, fresh and chewy. <laughs> Check it out. It's great. The Void. Boom. Uh, I'm going to recommend... I'm gonna, I feel like I have a surprising recommendation. Mm-hmm. I taped off of HBO and enjoyed much more than I expected The Purge election year, which... I uh, guess we're not watching it. For the Flophouse. No, no, no. We watched the Purge, the original Purge movie for the Flophouse, and it was kind of just a boring home invasion movie. They have this high concept, the Purge, you know, like 12 hours every uh, Is year. Lena Headey in this one? No. No. 12 what hours. Tina Levy? Mm-hmm. Uh, 12 hours every year where crime is legal. We all know what the Purge is at this point. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> The first honk shoe, get over it. <laughs> the first movie did. That's America now. They won, and we have to deal with it. <laughs> the first movie did barely anything with this premise, uh, but it was a home invasion movie, right? Yeah, it was a home invasion movie. By the and, na- uh, pretty pretty low on the totem pole. Home yeah, movie, home invasion movie. Yeah, definitely. But by the time the third movie rolls around, um, there's a it's Trey Bonkers. Well, there's a. Uh, Senator who wants to uh, get rid of the purge, and of course that makes her <laughs> that, that idiot. Pur- <laughs> <laughs> that makes her purge target numero uno when the purge comes around. Uh, and the movie is much less of just like a closed-off form invasion movie, and more of a kind of uh, she's roaming through a city where everyone's against her, and it feels like a John Carpenter movie. Specifically, it feels it's like Mike Lee's naked. No, it feels like <laughs> it feels like uh, something like Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's just like a down and dirty, definitely a B movie, but a fun B movie of just this woman like beset on all sides by dangers. So, oh, man, so. I would feel bad for the fucking purgers if they were going after Jacqueline Bissett. Oh, she destroyed them. Um, the. The thing about the Purge movies is I feel like that's a premise that was, like, tailor-made with a bow for John Carpenter to do. Yeah. And the closer the filmmakers get to doing Car- – I mean, in general, I feel like the closer a filmmaker gets to making a John Carpenter movie, the better. But I feel like with the Purge specifically, like, the closer you get to Carpenter, the closer you're going to do. And it sounds like election year is where they get closest to it. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen the middle Purge movie, the Purge Anarchy, but... Uh, does that also star hunk of meat Frank Grillo? It does. Oh, yeah. Slap like that guy on the grill. Wow. Yeah, heck yeah. Slap him on a grill, because his name is Grill in it. <laughs> yeah. But if you're I, looking for... I'm not a creative man, Elliot. <laughs> if you're looking just like a straight-ahead B-movie that is like kind of a gritty, like 80s-style, low-down action movie, the Purge uh, election year, it's not... Super great, but it 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 scratches that itch a little bit. 
Okay, let's see if LA continues our trend of B movies. Uh, I'm going to recommend Creed, the Rocky sequel oh. uh, continuation. Uh, they, there's a lot to An do. Academy Award nominated movie. Yeah, not not a B movie, directed by Ryan Coogler and starring uh, Michael B. Jordan. And I almost called him Michael B. Jones for a second, which is nobody's name. One of our, one of our listeners is now clicking unsubscribe because his name is Michael <laughs> B. Jones. His, his, his monocle fell out of his eye and he said, <laughs> I never... Uh, I heard had heard a lot of good things about it, but I was doubtful because the Rocky series is very doubtful. My new favorite Showtime show. <laughs> the, Rocky, right. the Rocky series is very hit and miss, to say the least. Uh, but I thought it was a really good way, and because continuations of old series can be kind of cheap hucksterism a lot of time, but they did a really good job of both continuing the world of the original movies while not relying on them so much that like. You know the beats that this movie is going to hit because it's a Rocky movie, but doing it in a way that felt like they are respecting a tradition rather than shamelessly repeating what was going on before. I remember going into that movie after the uh, the Academy Awards that that movie was nominated for, and the I was ready to be like. Sylvester Stallone doesn't deserve this nomination, but he's really fucking good. And that's really good. In Everyone's it. great in it. Yeah, um, but he's but he's. When he is, he's like uh, Clint Eastwood and Arnold Schwarzenegger in that they are tough guy actors who are now old. And when they play to that age, they uncover things in themselves that they didn't necessarily have fully before and which make their performances deeper. And when they try to run away from that age, it hurts them completely. I mean, Clint Eastwood barely runs away from the age. But like when Sylvester Stallone was doing like Expendables type stuff or that last Rambo movie. Yeah. It was like, come on, dude. But when he's playing to the fact that he's an old man who was once this powerhouse, like, that's very powerful. Yeah, there's... The thing about the thing about Creed is there's a scene... There's one In one of the boxing scenes, there's a moment where it cuts to a character going, yes! And it fucking works! <laughs> like, that type of shit normally, that's like Batman and Robin shit. And I'm like, no. But for whatever reason, it totally, like, got me on the edge of my seat. And it's the boxing crazy. scenes are fantastic. The boxing like, scenes are great. Like, boxing is, and to my mind, it's a uniquely cinematic sport. If you want to call it sports. Two guys wailing at each other with their fists. But uh, the that's controversial, I know. But there are, like, the biggest disappointment I had with the movie The Fighter was that the boxing climax at the end is super boring because you're just watching a boxing match on TV and this Coogler takes you into the ring and you're experiencing the fight and he does a great no, job. No, you're right. The, the boxing scenes are, are really, really... And they're really well shot and they're... Yeah, it's awesome. Even watching this movie on an iPad while I was doing the dishes, I felt the full impact of each punch. <laughs> so nice work, Creed, and I recommend it to everyone who was... Interested in it, but was worried that it was not going to live up to the potential. All right. Three great recommendations. And now we have to get the fuck out of here. So long. Dan, please tell us you're going to cut this episode down, but not my Aerosmith stuff, right? Uh, no Can problem. you put all the beep boop boops in there? <laughs> yeah, I'll put those back in there. Just for the real fans. In. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. The, the completists. Uh, no, uh, it's been great, but now we got to go. For the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. Beep boop, boop boop, beep boop. Ellie Kalen. Good night, everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>
seem to be... How do I sound? Do I sound good? Fine. Well, you weren't talking when that was going on. Okay. You're only talking during the beep-boop-beep-boop-boop-beep okay. part of things. How did that sound, though? Uh, it sounded like beep-boop-boop-beep-boop-boop-boop. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah, Stuart, what was all that beep-boop-boop stuff you were saying? Uh, it's this new sound I'm trying out. Yeah, that new sound you're looking for? Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to do that. Well, listen to this. I'm trying to do this new, uh, new thing on podcasts. I'm trying to reach a new uh, binary market. <laughs> That's the future, you know? Mm-hmm. The three of you enter a cave of a big red dragon and is standing over a hoard of precious golden rubies. And he says, what do you do, adventures? I'm a dragon man. I cast fire on him. It's very good. I address the red dragon to say... Us, we're the hosts of The Adventure Zone, a podcast about family playing Dungeons and Dragons. Very good synergy. Commit to the bit. I I, <laughs> I rolled to charm new listeners. It is very effective against all odds. Everybody, we're the Macroids. We host The Adventure Zone. It's a podcast where we play Dungeons and Dragons together. It's a comedy podcast. We don't take the rules too seriously because there's a lot of them and we did not take the time to learn them. Maybe listen to us. We come out every other Thursday on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find us on iTunes or on MaximumFun.org. I think this promo is a critical hit. (laughs) MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.